the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from the Salem Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Yeah, it's a busy life, and, and I try to stay organized. Yeah. Right, I just try to keep things together. However, I have a really bad habit of like something comes to me or I need to write something down. <laughs> I, I, I put it on a post-it note. And then on my desk. I love your post-it notes. Oh, uh, I uh, love them. On my desk, I've got a pile of post-it notes. Yeah. And then so occasionally I'll peruse through the post-it notes and yeah. go, okay, that's that doesn't mean anything anymore. So today I'm going through my post-it notes, and here I came up on this one, which I'll, I'll hand to you. You take a look at this post-it Oh, note. good. What's it say on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It says Mel Jugan on it. Mel uh-huh. Jugan uh, lived on my street growing up, and he threw stones at me uh, yeah. uh, coming back from the bus stop in fourth grade. Right. So You I, don't have Gary Schwer's name on here, I, and he, he's no. also threw stones I at couldn't me. spell Gary's name. Okay. Mel Jugan, I, got yeah. a, you know, I knew what it meant. <laughs> and on here, you also have Romans. <laughs> yeah. I can't quite read the uh, I think it's reference. Eight. Maybe yeah. it could be 826. I it could it, be 326. I'll tell you. Let me see. Yeah, Not it's, quite uh, sure. It's uh, Romans eight twenty six. Is it? Yeah, I know Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. I don't know what eight twenty six yeah, is. I, what, I do you know what that no, is? No, I don't. I wrote it down though. Mm. Hey Siri, what is Romans eight twenty six? If it has anything to do with Mel Jugan, we're <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, oh no, uh, nope. Siri's very confused. Actually. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah. I forget it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Siri's not great on on scripture, is she? <laughs> Well, it's disappointing, isn't she? Yeah, a little, a little. I think it was, it was a problem with how she was raised. <laughs> you know, she'd have a, a stronger theological ground. I'm telling you, if you don't, if you don't read the Bible when you're a kid, it's right. just harder later on. Anyway, all right. Coming up on today's program mm-hmm. in the. Uh... Wait, can I have that back? <laughs> no, because I want to look up yeah. Romans eight twenty six. Give okay. me a minute. Uh, the five o'clock hour. Uh, we're going to have Liddy Barlow in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's from Christian Associates of Southwestern PA. Her focus is just bringing people together. So we're going to kind of talk about how she's seeing that going on um, in different parts of Southwestern PA. Mm -hmm. Um, We're looking forward to that. Also, uh, Bruce Ankofiak is going to be with us from St. Vincent College. He's a law professor there. We'll be talking about upcoming Supreme Court cases, two of which are very interesting to us. Mm -hmm. Also, Airbnb has revealed the most popular winter travel destinations. And I'm betting Pittsburgh is not on the list. Oh, no, no, no. You know it's coming, too. Uh, this brief respite is like, you know, just such a tease, isn't it? It's also National Pumpkin Day. Oh, are okay. you Are you glad for that? Do you well, have a, I have, I've got a pumpkin. A celebration? I feel good. It's my only sort of ode to Halloween, fall. Oh, you don't have any autumnal anything? I've got a pumpkin. That's it. What do you have? Oh. Do you have more? Well, I have a whole bunch of pumpkins. I, I went, uh, really? I got, did get some orange pumpkins. I got some pie pumpkins. I got a green one and I got a really, really beautiful, like light, like not a true orange, mm-hmm. like so kind of a dusty color. Right. Thank you, Lexi. Romans eight twenty six. in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes through us. 
through wordless groans, which is such an outs. That whole mm-hmm. Romans 8 is so yep. rich. I'm not sure. Do you know why you had that written down here? And you also no. have my name. I, right. Just in case you forget me. <laughs> I was. Wait, I, who is that sitting My guess is me? I probably was concerned about Mel Jugan. Thinking, <laughs> who's Mel Jugan? Oh, it's Kath. Kath is connected. Right from fourth grade. And, you know, maybe the groans. I don't uh, know what happened to Mel. Well, maybe he grew up to be a terrific guy. I hope so. Me too. Mel, if you're out there, yeah. stop throwing a... <laughs> stones. Okay. Very good. What if he doesn't even remember it? Oh, he probably That's remembers. the problem is sometimes when we're mean to people, they remember, but we don't because we're so mean. Oh, hmm. I've fun. had that happen to me. What? Did you even mean to somebody uh-huh. and forget that you were mean yep. to other people? Hmm. Yep. That kind of haunts me. And people have come up to me and said, yeah. you were mean to me. Do uh-huh. you? Really? Yeah. You must have been really mean. I mean, it's, <laughs> Holy it's not like it happens every day. <laughs> right. It's happened once I that I remember. I can imagine you being like, really? Now was I'm it, sorry I brought it up. Was it at a high school reunion? I'm not telling. Come on. Say it. Tell me to get like, <laughs> close the door down on that. I'm you one detail what? about this. Because you're going to put it on a post-it uh, note. Well, I'm going to have to read it on the air. When I'm an old man sitting in my rocking chair going... Mel Jugan and <laughs> Kathy mean to someone unnamed. No. All right. Let's take a look at the news, right? Cause, cause... I don't even remember Mel from Before you go to the news, yeah. I just had a caller come in and say that uh, uh, the only way that you can get uh, Siri to actually look up the verse is if you say 8 colon 26. You can't say 826 oh. or she won't do it. Thank you. 8 colon. Because poor Siri. Right. How does she know? She doesn't know, Lexi. No. How's she supposed to know? Mm-mm. I thought you were going to say Mel Jugan was on the phone, and that was going to be truly I would have put him on a medium. Man. <laughs> Mel, if you're out there, please give us a call. 800-320-825. You're probably living in Denver or right. Anchorage. Right. One of those two places yeah. hiding he from you. He probably works for like some organization like Catholic Charities, Aww. or he's the little sisters of the poor. He's like turned into this outstanding Good. human being. Right. Because you can say, Mel, you were mean to me. I was mean to X. To that other person. Right. But that I'm not telling you anything no. about, John. <laughs> Let's look at the news stories. Okay. Here's the top four okay. at four. For Thursday, October 26th, 2023. Number one. We've already heard about uh, the mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine. 18 people dead, 13 wounded. A suspect still at large. Authorities attempting to locate 42-year-old Robert Card, considered armed and dangerous. At spare time recreation, a bowling alley, six males and one female died of apparent gunshot wounds at Shemengi's Bar and Grill, four miles away, seven males inside the establishment, one outside, apparently shot to death. Three other people died at area hospitals. It's horrible. horrible. It's just so... An earlier bulletin said the suspect was a trained firearms instructor, but an updated bulletin said that that is not the case. Uh, This man recently reported mental health issues, included hearing voices and threatened to shoot up the National Guard base in Seiko, then was reportedly committed to a mental health facility where he stayed for a short time. Uh, He was enlisted in the reserves in 2002 and doesn't have any combat deployments. Read more about that at CBS News or wherever you get your news. Number two, the Israeli military carried out what appears to be its biggest incursion into the Gaza Strip since the Hamas attack on Israel on October 7th. Officials said Israel's incursion was an effort to prepare the ground for an eventual invasion of the enclave. 
Twelve aid trucks entered Gaza through the Rafah crossing at the Egyptian border, bringing the total to 74 in the past week. Egypt is setting up field hospitals to close its border with the Gaza Strip in preparation for a possible influx of wounded Palestinians as it faces pressure to allow in refugees. And Israel's military said Hamas and other militant groups are still holding 224 hostages in the Gaza Strip. That's from the Wall Street Journal. Number three, Arthur Engeron, who's overseeing the ongoing civil fraud trial of former President Donald Trump and other defendants in New York, upheld that huge fine that he gave to Donald Trump, 10 grand, which is huge for me and probably huge for you, but I just don't feel like that's huge for him. Anyway, um, the judge issued a limited gag order in the case on the second day of the trial earlier this month, barring Trump from posting or commenting about members of his staff. But, of course, during Michael Cohen's uh, testimony, he did that. And so they had to bring that. I mean, so Trump had to get up on I was going to say up on stage. He had to get up in the box and say, hey, this is what I did. And Engeron wrote this morning he was not persuaded by Trump's explanation. Is that a surprise to no, you? I'm not persuaded. It's from CBS News. Number four, PA lawmakers considering requiring every public school building to have a trained armed security officer present during school hours. The Senate Education Committee on a party line vote sent legislation to the full Senate for consideration that would impose this mandate starting in 2024. And that is your top four at four. Very nice. Now, that sounds like a good idea. You don't think it does sound like a good it's idea? It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And I didn't realize, you know, there's no federal money attached to this. Right. So who's paying for it? The school districts? Yeah. Your tax dollars? Yeah. Right. What about private schools? Yeah. Well, private schools? It doesn't say. It just Little says, Christian schools. It just says public schools. Public schools. All right. Yeah. So, and then, you know, rural schools are weighing in and saying, look, we don't even have enough money to buy textbooks. And well, you're saying does? we have to pay for an armed yeah. officer. But I also, I, I, I mean, I appreciate the thought behind it, whether they vote for it or not. You want kids to be safe, Senator of Mike Regan said schools now have the option of hiring an officer, but only about half of them do. Mm-hmm. There have been over 200 school shootings across the country since he first... Uh, offered the first iteration of this legislation after the 2012 Sandy Hook school shooting. How many? 200. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, houses of worship have school shootings. I mean, they have shootings and right. armed guards, right? So that goes to the parishioners as well. This measure, though, similar to the law that took effect this year in Texas in response to the Uvalde shooting. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good thing because yeah. you want your kids to go to school and feel safe. Right. right? However... However thin that feeling may be. Yeah. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Come back. Jerry Boyer is with us. He's an economist. He's going to talk about the cost and the economic impact of the uh, Palestinian-Israeli war. Stay tuned for that. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's the ride home here on 101.5 Word FM. Word FM. 101.5 WRVA. Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. God love you. Before he made the mountains and set the stars in place and the courses of the planet, God loved you. We love him because he first loved us. Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint tonight at 930 on 101.5 WORD. Get big savings and big rewards during Provember at Lowe's. Right now, MVP's members earn three times the bonus points on DeWalt products and save $200 on a DeWalt sliding compound miter saw. Plus, earn three times the bonus points on Little Giant products and save $70 on a Little Giant multi-position 14-foot ladder. Lowe's knows savings. Lowe's knows pros. 
While supplies last, selection varies by location. Bonus points calculated before taxes and fees after applicable discounts, if any. Valid through 11-22. In honor of all those we've lost to cancer and those still fighting and thriving, like basketball analyst Dick Vitale. I want to beat cancer. I'm going to beat it. That's no doubt in my mind. I'm going to win this battle. Defeating cancer will take all of us. At the V Foundation, V is for victory over cancer. V is for victory over giving up. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Join our team in the fight against cancer at V.org. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, switching to MediShare can save you even more than usual on top of what you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a health care solution right now, especially given how inflation is affecting us. And MediShare is the affordable, reliable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves about $500 a month. You might save even more. And MediShare is a Christian community that's been sharing each other's health care costs for 30 years now, and they're making it easier than ever. Apply by October 31st, and you can save an additional $150 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, but just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have, and start saving. Here it is. It's 844-47-BIBLE. That's 844-47-BIBLE. 844-47-BIBLE. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Seven two four new roof course we've all been reading along about the israeli hamas conflict i I had not thought really about the economic impact about palestine Mm -hmm. and their production of whatever that is well jerry boyer is here with us and uh, in an email exchange today he brought up something very interesting jerry boyer is an economist host of the podcast meeting of minds author of the maker versus the taker what jesus really said about social justice and economics hey jerry welcome back how you doing I'm fine. How are you? We're good. We can't complain at all. Yeah. Before we talk about economic impact, Jer, can we talk about uh, just the latest developments in the conflict? Um, Your thoughts, your overall impressions, maybe? Well, my impressions are that, you know, obviously we have yet to see, you know, the full force of the counterattack. And it's largely been a a waiting situation. Uh, And even already, um, there's sort of a, a growing sentiment uh, that Israel is a perpetrator rather than a, victor- a victim, um, and that the main objective here, uh, the, the humanitarian objective, the, the good outcome, is essentially to restrain Israel from responding. Um, and I think we're kind of missing a certain moral clarity here um, with the nature of these attacks it is fully appropriate that a nation state such as Israel retaliate in a way that um, sends a message, do not do this again. Mm -hmm. Um, There has to be some kind of deterrence. That's really the point, one of the main points of warfare. Um, And you might say, well, under Christian, you know, view of warfare, you know, we just defend ourselves. I, I don't think that's really true in the sense that just the barest defense um, isn't adequate. The, part of defense is deterrence. So if a nation, you know, uh, attacks another nation, uh, if there's an invasion and the defending nation simply pushes out to their border, just gets the invaders out, that's not the end of the job. The end of the job is to 
create the conditions under which they will not be unjustly invaded again, which can go as far as deposing the government of the other nation. And I so, so I think there's this sense that, you know, that the world is a lot of the world is not going to back Israel as this really gets rolling, because I think they've lost a sense of what is required in terms of justice. It's more than just ending the attack from Hamas. It is deterring the future attacks. Right. And that's a big problem, right, Jair? Because Hamas is essentially using the Palestinian people as human shields. And, of course, how do you go after Hamas? It's kind of like a needle in a haystack in a way. I would imagine that they've less left the territory or they are so far underground in this maze of tunnels, difficult to ferret out. Yeah, it really is. And this is one of these really tough moral areas. And there can be a tendency that basically... Uh, for those of us who are, are essentially siding with Israel. And I want to be clear, that doesn't mean automatically siding with Israel. That doesn't mean always siding with Israel. Yeah. We don't owe that. You know, I mean, we owe allegiance to our nation. We owe allegiance, first of all, to God and to the kingdom of God. But we don't have, you know, we as Americans or as American Christians, we don't have to have some allegiance to the state of Israel when it acts rightly, it deserves our support. And when it acts uh, uh, badly, it doesn't. In this case, I think it clearly is justified in the actions that it, uh, it has taken and is, and is about to take. But if you, if you go back, to, Christians have thought about this for a long time. Christian just war theory says you're not allowed to target um, those who are noncombatants. But then it recognizes that there's a problem. What about people who hide behind noncombatants? Um, and I think there's there's a tendency maybe for those of us who are supportive of Israel to say, well, you know, that's that's how it happens. You know, no big deal. It is a big deal when Palestinian noncombatants are killed. Yeah. But that's a different question than putting the blood on the hands of Israel. If I hide behind a child to shoot at children, I'm responsible for what comes after. Um, and if the child that I'm hiding behind, if their life is lost, that blood is on my hands. So Hamas is guilty of the civilian casualties that will come, unless, of course, Israel specifically targets civilians. That has not been their policy in the past, and I don't expect that to be their policy. There are times in warfare where there's been targeting of civilians, and I don't think targeting of civilians is morally legitimate uh, under under um, biblical revelation. But but when civilians are casualties, are unintentional casualties of the fact that some people hide behind them, there is blood guiltiness, but the blood guiltiness is on those who hide among the civilians. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just, it's an incredibly sad uh, time to be alive. It really is. Um, oh, it's I'm, horrifying. It's just it's horrifying awful. to think about what's happened and about what's going to happen. And we can't minimize that. Those of us who are saying, yeah, Israel's justified uh, in waging war against Hamas can't just say, well, they asked for it. A lot of people who didn't ask for it are going to get hurt. Right. Um, but when, when that's the nature of war. Um, and the question is, on, on whose hand, who's guilty of that? And the answer is the, the, the people who invite warfare into civilian regions. I think Israel's going to do what it, it can to minimize civilian casualties out of conscience and also out of, you know, respect for the opinion of nations. So the more civilian casualties there are, the more BBC and Reuters and the international press, which doesn't like Israel very much, the more, I mean, they're going to show every dead 
Palestinian innocent. Mm -hmm. And that over time, that's going to erode international support for Israel. So Israel both has moral reasons and practical reasons for it to try to minimize civilian casualties. Yes. And all these things, what you're saying, JR, I do agree with here. What's surprising to me, though, and of course, people of a certain age, is the is the rapid rise, or perhaps it's just been underground, of anti-Semitism that is sweeping the world. I mean, here we are tomorrow is the fifth anniversary of the Tree of Life killings. It's here in the city of Pittsburgh. It's across the nation. You see this coming out now, even more virulent, you know, because of what's happened in, with Israel and Hamas than ever before. Shocking that here we are. You think, oh, the Holocaust, never again. But it feels as though it's at our front door again. Well, yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you see the Holocaust never again. And a bunch of people say, what do you mean never again? It never happened in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, because they want to deprive the Jewish people of the victim status that comes from the Shoah. It comes from that attempt at genocide. Uh, so these people live in a weird bubble where they think the Holocaust didn't happen. They think that. Jews have, I don't know, space lasers, uh, and they're causing earthquakes. I mean, you know, everyone's marinating in these different social media environment, and they're watching different YouTube videos, or probably not not so much anti-Semitic stuff on YouTube, but over in Telegraph and then Gab. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, for instance, one of our neighbors, uh, I'm not going to mention the man's name, but one of our neighbors was marinating in that stuff, and what did he do? He went out and went on a shooting spree in Tree of Life Synagogue. Yeah. Uh, he was a, he was a gab person. He was radicalized by a local talk show host um, and just kept going into extreme right wing territory uh, and was on gab and fell into this, you know, this idea that Jews are synagogue of Satan, which is a complete misunderstanding of what's going on in the gospel accounts when that phrase is used um, and that Jews killed Jesus and that Jews are responsible for all the bad in the world. They're responsible for the, quote, immigrant invasion. And so, you know, he decided to take his, his numerous weapons, which he had accumulated over years of um, listening to people telling him to stock up on those weapons and buy a lot of ammo. Uh, um, and then he used them against innocents. So if you marinate in that stuff, you, you really got to be careful what you marinate in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they're marinating in. What, what I find interesting is when I was, when I was young, anti-Semitism was mostly a thing of the right. Mm-hmm. There was kind of a leftover fascist. That's, there was elements of this in the John Birch Society and the conspiracy, the far right. Okay. So there was anti-Semitism in the far right. Then, you know, in my 30s, when I was a talk show host, I was hearing a lot of anti-Semitism coming from the hard left. Uh, I was hearing it from uh, the you know, the he- Hebrew Israelites, basically mm-hmm. a black separatist group, the Farrakhanites, mm-hmm. uh, and the Palestinian sympathizers who were Marxists. And I was that it was coming from there. And as a talk show host, I almost never got conservative email that was anti-Semitic. It was almost all um, liberal left email that was anti-Semitic. Now what I'm seeing is they're both doing it. The Christian nationalist movement is out there um, playing the anti-Semitic card, and the progressive Marxists are also playing the anti-Semitic card. So the hard left and the hard right have essentially, if, the, if there's one thing they can agree on is the Jews are the problem. Um, and um, that's, that's, that's a terrifying thing to see. The other terrifying thing to see is how out, out in the open it is in prestigious institutions like Ivy League universities. Yeah. Yeah. They're not ashamed. They're not hiding under a rock. You know, they're not sort of, 
you know, doing like secret handshakes. We all know who the problem is. I mean, they are out, completely out on this. Now, somewhat encouraging is that a lot of institutions are saying, hey, thanks for letting us know who you are. No no job offers from us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Don't apply here. Uh, And a lot of donors to these Ivy League institutions uh, who I think foolishly gave to these institutions, not understanding what they're giving to, are now withholding money. So that the center is kind of holding against this extremist stuff, but it's bigger than it's ever been in my life. There are more overt anti-Semitic extremists on the left and the right than I've ever seen in my life before. And what's shocking to me, Jerry, is if you look at total Jewish population around the world, I mean, it's like some 16 million people or so. It's like 0.2% of the world's billion, 8 billion population. What, what, how can that even factor in mathematically 16 million Jews around the world and people are freaked out about it? How can they be running things? There aren't enough, right? Right. right. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, you know, what are they running? Well, a lot of Nobel Prizes. Um, you know, a lot of medical advances. I mean, there is Jewish overachievement in cultural institutions that mm-hmm. are of positive benefit to the yes. world. Mm-hmm. Scientific, medical, artistic. Yep. I mean, they're not 0.001% of the great um, concert violinists in the world. They're a much higher percentage. Yeah. Um, so so this tremendous positive Im- impact from this community. My friend George Gilder wrote a, a book several years ago called The Israel Test. And uh, this is a really good book. What he says is that there's something about Jewish culture, and I think it's immersion in two-thirds of the Bible. Uh, There's something about Jewish culture which which is high achievement, and that there are two kinds of people in the world who respond differently when they see somebody else having high achievement. Some people look at high achievers and say, how can I do that? Or at least I admire it, but maybe I can imitate it. And other people look at high achievers and they feel their own inadequacy. You know, they're, they're like Grendel listening to the party, you know, in Beowulf or uh, hmm. Smeagol, you know, not liking mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the bright lights of the, of, the, of, the, of the feast. And they kind of, they resent, that's the Israel test. How do you respond to the success of the Jewish people in the face of tremendous adversity? Uh, because we have, you know, 16 million Jews in the world that number should be a lot bigger, except for Hitler's grisly work. So this this group has overcome tremendous adversity and made tremendous positive contributions to the world. So how do you respond to positive contributions? If you're a loser in life, and not only a loser, but someone who wants to justify your loser status, then you're going to say, well, they must have cheated. They must have a secret handshake. They must have a secret deal. That's how they got ahead. They help each other uh, or whatever you, however you think they conspired, right? Um, they, they must have conspired. That's how they got ahead. As opposed to they were, they worked really hard and I didn't, which is why I live in my basement. You know, I live in my parents' basement and accumulate guns and listen to conspiracy theory radio and then podcasts and seethe over my lack of achievement in the world. And that's what, that's what that guy from Carrick did. Whereas other people look and say, I, I mean, I, as a Christian, I look at that subculture and I say, hey, are, are there not ways in which we should try to be more like our Jewish cousins, um, you know, in terms of commitment to excellence and education? You know, what can we learn? What can we emulate? Obviously, we can't emulate everything. We have areas of a definite disagreement in the faith, but we also have areas of agreement. 
Well, that's that's the Israel test. How do you respond to that success? And what we found is a lot of people respond in a highly toxic way. That's Jerry Boyer. Jerry's the host of the podcast, Meeting of Minds, author of The Maker versus the Takers, What Jesus Really Said About Social Justice and Economics. We need to take a break, but after the break, we'll come back and continue our conversation with Jerry. We want to hear about uh, Rene Girardis' idea of political atheism. What could that mean? Is it an option? What's next? Doing it right. Roofing, siding, and remodeling. Home of the Lifetime Workmanship Warranty. Get $1,500 off any full roof or full siding replacement project signed in October. Restrictions apply. Call 724-NEW-ROOF or visit roofingcontractorpittsburgh.com. Fall is here. School is back. The days of sitting poolside are over. If you spend a lot of time in the sun, though, you might be seeing its effect on your skin. A few more freckles, some premature wrinkles, blotches on your hands, face, and neck. At Chilled to Perfection in Oakmont, an IPL photo facial can help reverse the damage of sun and time, making your skin appear healthy and radiant. New customers get the Fall Back in Time IPL special for just $4.99. Your results are their business at chilledtoperfectionpgh.com. What if I told you you can save a baby's life for just $28. Well, it's true. Preborn is a ministry doing just that with the help of people like you by offering free ultrasound sessions to pregnant girls and women who otherwise might choose to end their pregnancy. We know that pregnant girls and women who can see their babies on ultrasound are far more likely to choose life. Your gift today can save babies' lives. Just $28 can give a mother the chance to see the truth of the baby that is growing inside her. $140 can do this for five girls and women. Whether you want to save one baby or five or hundreds, that opportunity is just a click or phone call away. Call 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or you can do it safe and secure online by clicking on the preborn banner at wordfm.com. If you have unfiled taxes or are in debt to the IRS, this is important news. The IRS just rolled out a new program to help struggling taxpayers more easily resolve their tax problems. It's called the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, and it opens up powerful new options for people looking to get back on the right track with the IRS. And no one knows this program like the professionals at Optima Tax Relief, America's most trusted tax resolution company. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients and have the expertise and experience to help you. One easy call to Optima can start the process, helping to put an end to your worries of wage garnishment, asset seizure, and other aggressive IRS actions. Make today the beginning of your fresh start with the IRS. Call the experts at Optima Tax Relief now for your free confidential consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right, call doing it right. 724 New Roof. It's one station with many locations. Word FM is on OnePlace.com, WordFM.com, the Word FM mobile app on your smart speaker, and at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh.
Partly cloudy and mild tonight will reach a nighttime low of 59. It'll be warm tomorrow with temperatures approaching the record last reached in 1963. We'll see times of clouds and sun and a high of 77. Tomorrow night becoming cloudy and warm with a low of 62. Saturday, times of clouds and sun with a shower will reach a high Saturday of 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. What is a political atheist? I mean, considering what's happened in Washington, D.C. these past X number of years. I mean, I just I feel like I'm going to vote for it. I don't I need some kind of place to go. Jerry Boyer's with us. He's a podcaster, an author, an economist. Jer, this is very interesting. Talk to us about yeah, this talk place. About, political uh, atheist. Yeah, I thought you might like that. Um, yeah, there's a uh, there's a, uh, a conference uh, next week at uh, Catholic University's uh, Bush School. And um, I'm on a panel there talking about political atheism. So this is the 100th anniversary of René Girard, who's not well known. He's a Christian anthropologist uh, who I think really had a great deal of understanding. He, he talked about what he calls the scapegoat mechanism. Um, and the scapegoat mechanism, Girard says, that all ancient pagan societies are based on the scapegoat mechanism. The idea is that all societies have conflict with one another. Um, so they, they fall into different camps and then the camps fall into camps. And then there's this rearranging of the camps and, you know, alliances are shifting and it, it takes on a momentum of its own. It takes on a conflict of its own. Uh, later on, Gerard came back to his childhood faith. So he had, he had been raised as a Catholic. He became an atheist, but the more he studied ancient paganism, the more he came back to Christianity. And he calls this spirit of conflict, Satan. Uh, it's people are always accusing one another and Satan, a shatan is an accuser. So they're accusing one another. And then you have this contagion and then eventually it spills over into violence. And eventually somebody says, well, you know what? We never had this problem until those Jews showed up or that gypsy showed up or, you know, that old lady who lives at the edge of town and she's doing things with herbs. I heard she was a witch. And then they all come together and they kill that person. And that, that, and that ancient paganism is based on the human sacrifice of some outsider, sometimes mm -hmm. usually an outsider, sometimes it's a king. So human sacrifice is the basis of this. And then after that, in order to keep the peace, you basically turn that person into a god. Um, and you say, well, they were really guilty, but look how we're together. We're not mad at we're, we're, we're at unity with one another. And, he's, and basically for Gerard, this is where the ancient pagan gods came from, out of this system of human sacrifice. So basically, so wait, let me back you up, Jerry. So the yeah. person, the scapegoat who they kill over time ends up kind of morphing into a godlike figure. Yes, exactly. Uh, think about Hunger Games. Yep. At the end of each day, what do they have? A tribute to the fallen. Right. They become sacred figures because their killing united the society. Um, and now that, yes, they did bad things. That's what they're, they're accused of doing bad things. Um, so Oedipus killed his father and had sex with his mother. So it was right that he was killed. So what Gerard says is all these ancient pagan societies, they have to pretend that the person is guilty, even though they're not. So there's a lie and that all ancient mythology is based on the lie. They're basically justifying their human sacrifices. And that this is what the state is built on. This is what nations are built on. The story of Romulus and Remus. What happens? Romulus draws a line. He says, everything inside this is my city. It's Rome. No one steps over it. And then Remus steps over it and Romulus kills him. And that's the founding of Rome. 
A biblical example is what do we have? Um, Cain kills Abel. And then what, what does he do immediately after that? He founds the city so that the city is built on murder, on human sacrifice. And so, but it's covered up. The story is always told that that person really deserved it. Um, and so that's the lie. And then Gerard, you know, he sees this in ancient pagan societies and he says, well, now I'm going to go after the Bible because he got a lot of this human sacrifice stuff in the Bible, too. I'm going to tear that apart. And he reads the gospel accounts. This is him as an atheist. He reads the gospel accounts and he says, wait a minute. This is the only account that tells the truth. Nowhere in the gospels is it suggested by the narrator that Jesus is guilty. He's innocent. This is the first scapegoating account that admits that the that the person killed is innocent. Mm. And by so doing that, the whole system is unmasked. Mm. Um, and the, the basis of the whole ancient pagan order is unmasked. And then wherever the story is told in the future, uh, the story of the Gospels, people say, well, wait a minute. Just before they throw the stone at somebody, at some other tribe or some poor you know, stranger who has a limp and kind of comes into town. There's always something. There's always a limb or they're missing an eye. They have to be a little bit different. They stop and say, well, wait a minute. Maybe this is an innocent person. They killed that Christus, you know, in the story that the missionary read to us. Maybe this is another innocent person. Maybe this person is, doesn't deserve murder. Um, and so that transforms and that basically creates Western civilization with our concern for victims. So what Gerard goes on to say is essentially state state politics is based on this scapegoat mechanism and politics always to some degree involves this and that the more it involves it the more it becomes a religion of its own hmm. and don't we see that i, I mean isn't that what's happening yes. when you see people who are more aligned with maga than with their brothers in christ or more aligned with anti-maga than with their brothers in christ what they're really saying is MAGA or anti-MAGA, MAGA, whatever, Trump, and never Trump, that's their real religion. Mm -hmm. Or vaccine politics or all of this, that basically we're just like another primitive pagan tribe. We think we're advanced, but this is the same stuff that all the tribes of the earth have always done. And so to the degree that politics is a religion, to the degree that politicians become gods and are treated as those gods, to that degree, we don't believe in them anymore. We're atheists about that process of pagan tribal affiliation, which is a whole lot more like the world before Jesus came along than the world that Jesus offered mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. Amen. So politics just corrupts. That's just what it is. Part of the structure. It in, it, it's part of the structure, it's part of the origin, and it's part of the natural arc of it. I'm not saying that you never participate. I have opinions about all sorts of things. I have opinions about what tax rates should be. We just had a discussion about what Israel's response. That's right. policy, right? But when, when my, my presidential candidate, when his grudges become my grudges, well, that's not policy. That's something else. When I think that my presidential candidate is going to save the world, and when I think that everyone who is not on board with my candidate is basically a devil, right? So you can flip this either way. I mean, the way the way President Biden talks about Trump and his followers, essentially, they're extremists, they're white supremacists, they're Nazis, they're evil, right? And the MAGA people speak the same way. See, is that really, that's not policy. 
that's that's really religion. Mm-hmm. That's a kind of religious language. If 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 we just change the words a little bit, we could see that as a religious conflict. Well, it is a religious conflict. They don't deserve that level of affirmation. Um, they don't deserve a religious level of affirmation. Only Jesus deserves a religious level of affirmation. So political atheism basically says we are going to withhold. We don't believe in politics. We might have policy preferences. You know, we know that there are decisions that need to be made to organize a society. But the thing that we call politics, let's face it, is almost not about policy at all. The parties frequently reverse positions on things like trade or on things like whether we're going to be hawkish or dovish. They're they're reversing positions, and yet people still stay aligned with them. So the Republicans used to be the free trade party that was more willing to use military force. Now the Republicans are the anti-free trade party that doesn't want to get involved. in. So why is somebody who's a Republican 30 years ago still Republican now? Mm -hmm. The policy changes have shifted in fundamental ways because there's a certain religious adherence. And certainly that's true for the Democrats as well. um, That is it's it's faith. Really, if if you're not following fixed principles, if you're not you're not following reason, this is these are faith affirmations. Political atheism says, hey, I'm all for faith affirmations for to Jesus. <laughs> Nobody else gets that. Um, so um, you, you register to vote. That's fine. You vote. That's fine. Political atheism doesn't say you have to not participate in the system. It just says that you are not going to participate in politics to the degree that it's not really about policy anymore. It's really an all-encompassing personal identity. Mm-hmm. If you can't get along with your relatives at Thanksgiving, then that has be- your politics has become an all- it is who you are. It's the fundamental thing you are. Look at Twitter. Look at people's Twitter profiles. Yikes. Once in a while, it's hey, I'm a father of this, and I'm a you know, or I you know, I'm a talk show host or whatever. But increasingly, people are listing their their political affiliations mm-hmm. because that is in fact their identity. That's their baptism. That's their circumcision. Mm-hmm. That's their confirmation. That's what they've anointed themselves with. It's not the sign of the cross. It's not. It's not. It's something else. It's their. It's their affirmation in the culture war. That's where we are. Let's continue that conversation after the break. Jerry Boyer's with us, author of "The Maker Versus the Takers: What Jesus Really Said About Social Justice and Economics." That's coming up next Thursday edition. The ride home. WORD. Coming up on Real Life Radio. What a great plan by an enemy to get you to allow him or them to live in your midst, all the while getting you to either not believe that they exist or getting you to believe that it's all a little joke and it's okay. You guys, that's called infiltration, and it's a very dangerous thing. Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs, weekday mornings at 1130 on 101.5 Word FM. This decade may be the worst one yet to retire in. That's why you need the most current retirement information. For more than 30 years, Bob Carlson has been helping investors stay ahead of turbulent markets and money-grubbing politicians. Now, more than ever, you need to subscribe to Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch. Bob makes sure his Retirement Watch readers are getting independent advice on all aspects of retirement. It's advice 
advice you won't get anywhere else. When you subscribe to Retirement Watch, you'll get 12 months of the newsletter. You'll also get five model portfolios. Plus, you'll get immediate access to the Retirement Watch private website with tons of special reports. You'll also get an online spending calculator to help you deal with inflation. Plus, exclusive conference calls with Bob Carlson, answering your retirement questions live, all for as little as $49.95. Try it for 30 days, and if you're not satisfied, cancel and we'll refund your money. Sound fair? Sign up today at retirementelders.com. Retirementelders.com. That's retirementelders.com. Hi, I'm Olivia, and I'm 11. Some people my age might think water in a basement's pretty cool. Who wouldn't want an indoor swimming pool? But my dad taught me a thing or two about homes. You mean all those times I talked about waterproofing. You were actually listening? Absolutely. I'm like Alexa. Okay, so how does Jandy Waterproofing protect your home? By keeping water out of the basement so it doesn't compromise the structure of your home. And? By not giving yucky mold and mildew a place to grow. Pretty good. Dad, I wasn't finished. Oh, sorry. And JD Waterproofing can save you money. Do tell. By saving you from having to replace your basement appliances from water damage. I couldn't have said it better myself. Got water problems? Don't cry. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY. JD Waterproofing. 1-800-VERY-DRY. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? Want it done right? Call doing it right. 724-NEW-ROOF. Talking with Jerry Boyer, political atheism. Jerry Boyer is an economist, an author, and a podcaster. Jerry, before the break, we were talking about Rene Girard's theory of uh, political atheism. And you were just discussing how, you know, just as one small example, looking at how people identify themselves on Twitter. You know, instead of, you know, people can say, oh, I'm a husband or I'm a dad or I, you know, I'm a CPA or whatever. People are saying, you know, I am a, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm MAGA forever. Or I'm, you know, I support Palestine or like whatever it is. It's just that seems to be front and center. And uh, so it just, of course, made me think of Galatians 1. So I just had to throw this out to you because this is not a new problem within the church. Uh, Paul says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which really is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. I mean, that's I, Galatians what? That's Galatians one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want to riff on that for a little bit, Jerry? Yeah, I do. As a matter of fact, <laughs> riff away. I think Galatians might be the most important New Testament book on this question because we see. I don't know. It's hard. James is also really strong on this. Um, that the problem of Galatians is that they're going back to that pre-Jesus approach, uh, which um, the elements, the stokeia, uh, is what Paul calls them, um, the, the elementary principles, which are essentially tribal and national identity principles. The, and Paul calls them the weak and beggarly mm. um, principles of this world. So they seem strong. It seemed strong for Christians who had a Jewish background or for Christians who didn't have a Jewish background to say, look, things are tough now. I mean, the end of Galatians, Paul says they're doing this to avoid persecution. So things are tough now. So if we identify as Jews and get circumcised, then we get the Jewish religious exemption. This is the, this is the point that N.T. Wright makes in his commentary on Galatians. And so we're safe now. Also, because, because Gentile Christians were getting attacked by Jewish Christians, there was a sense of, 
you know, like when they get together for Thanksgiving, everyone's arguing about circumcision. So it's fine. I'll get circumcised. All right. So I can live in peace. And so it felt safe to go back to the world before the resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Circumcision was a good thing. Galatians is not an anti-circumcision book. It's a circumcision no longer applies because circumcision was a way of saying, here's a distinct people through whom the Messiah will come. But, and, and Messiah is going to come through a woman, right? And the Messiah is going to come to Israel, which is like an underage child, like a slave, Paul says. Uh, and so you need to have these separations in place. But Jesus comes through the woman. He comes under the law. Uh, he comes as someone who's, uh, who's a doulos, a servant, a slave, comes in the, in the appearance of one. So that's why you're no longer Jew nor Greek, slave, uh, male nor female, uh, uh, a slave nor free. Because those specific categories were in anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. With the coming of the Messiah, those distinctions are no longer relevant. It's not that they were never relevant. And by the way, it's not that no distinctions apply whatsoever anymore. It is specifically there was a national identity system, and Israel was special in that there was, an, there was a national preference that God was showing, um, but now... Uh, everyone who believes is a child of Abraham. And so what's happening is they're backsliding to the weaker thing, feeling like it's stronger. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think Galatians is about. James is about how they're increasing the rhetoric and joining extremist political movements. Why are you fighting with one another? Why are you warring with one another, James says? And we say, oh yeah, they're arguing about the color of the carpet in church. No, he says warring. Because they're joining in insurrections and counter-insurrections. It felt safe for them to join the MAGA nationalist movement of the Pharisees, or it felt safe for others of them to align with the ruling elite, you know, that, that are the Sadducees, because they'll protect you. Every, everything felt safe except Jesus, when in fact, Jesus was the only thing that was safe. The pagan identifiers or the national or the political identifiers were beginning to pull people away from that chief identification with Jesus. So yeah, I think Galatians is the perfect book to cite in this case and very relevant to right now. Amen. That's, That's Jerry fabulous, Boyer. Jerry. Jerry, we got to go. Time's up. Thank you so much, Jerry. We really appreciate your time here with us and your clarity on these really complex issues. And I appreciate my time with you every month. God bless. Thank you. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. Do you find joy in helping others? Turn it into a rewarding career at LifeSteps. LifeSteps is hiring caregivers to bring joy into the lives of individuals with disabilities. Full-time and part-time positions available with opportunities close to home. No degree or experience necessary. LifeSteps offers flexible schedules, paid training, and generous benefits. Make a difference today. Call 724-283-1010 or visit LifeSteps.net. LifeSteps is an equal opportunity employer. Hey, Dr. Portrayal. I didn't see it coming. Life can be so unpredictable. After losing my dad, it made me think about my family if something were to happen to me. The mortgage, car payments, and all the other bills. Even things like our annual summer vacation would be out of reach. I had heard about life insurance through Ethos and how easy it was to get coverage. They were right. I knew it was time to stop putting it off and get life insurance right now. I got on my computer and went to ethoslife.com. In just 10 minutes, I was covered. And boom, family protected. 
Thanks to Ethos, my family won't have to worry about the bills if the unpredictable happens to me. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at getethos.com. That's G-E-T-E-T-H-O-S dot com. Think the government is spying on you? Wait until you learn the entire truth from Swiss America, the trusted leader in precious metals for 40 years. Let's just say you might want to think twice before making a bank withdrawal these days because somebody could be watching. It's true. Let Swiss America educate you about how banks are required to spy on us for the government and report any behavior they deem suspicious. You'll be shocked when you read The Secret War on Cash from Swiss America, which is really a war against all freedom-loving Americans. It's free to Salem listeners. Get your free copy of The Secret War on Cash by calling or texting 800-630-1495. That's 800-630-1495. This war includes digital currencies, too. So please get and read The Secret War on Cash free by calling or texting right now at 800-630-1495. 800-630-1495. Message and data rates may apply. Roofing, siding, or remodeling? 724 New Roof. Uh, it's National Pumpkin Day. I thought that was the other day. There was something about pumpkins we talked about. It might <laughs> have been World Pumpkin Is this day, a repeat show? No, look, no, it's National. I came up on my thing today, okay. National Pumpkin on Day. On your thing? Yeah. Well, it's got to be real if it's came up on your thing. That's what I thought if it came up on your thing. Why would the thing lie to you? Do you have a pumpkin? I have a pumpkin. Is it a, like a regular, like conventional orange one? Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, are you fine. going to carve it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Because I want the pumpkin seeds. Okay, sure. And I'll, lay, I'll light it for, you know, Halloween. Sure. Although we don't get many Halloweeners. Trick or right, because you're way up on a hill. Nobody yeah, wants get, to walk no. up there. Here's a mallow cup. No, yeah, forget no, it. Nobody I'll cares about it. You could throw the mallow cup yeah, down. Forget it. No. Uh, Lexi, pumpkins, yeah? Yeah, you got pumpkins in the, the old apartment? No, I don't. No. No, because I can't uh, put them out. What? Because of the bees? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a touchy subject. Okay, sorry. Well, that doesn't make a lick of sense either. I'll tell you that. No, um, I'm not able to put anything outside of my door um, at my apartment. Oh, right. I remember those days. I lived in an apartment like that, oh. which is so sad. Yeah, it is. Is it like a complex? One? Yeah, yeah, it uh-huh. is. I've never lived in a complex. Like oh, that. you haven't. I've just lived. In, you know, my kids are talking about that. Oh, I'm going to move to this. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I'm like living in somebody's third floor of their old house, <laughs> which is much better to me. Yeah, living it in an is. apartment building has its own mm, crazy to that. it. No, no but thanks. it is, I mean, it, if there's some security there. What security? It's well, a bunch of crazy in, people. Well, and you're in a box. There's no charm to that. I, no, I Sorry, think Lex. it's fine. I, I enjoyed my... Really? I enjoyed living. Where I, was it? On Ellsworth. Really? Uh-huh. On Ellsworth Avenue. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pardon it's me. It's up by the elbow room. Uh, no, it was right across from uh, Church of the Ascension. Oh, oh, oh mm. that's Mr. Rogers' apartment. Yeah, right. We Very, lived okay, in this. Right. I used to. We used to pass each other often. Hey, Mr. Rogers. Hi, Mr. Did Rogers. you say hi to him? Always. Did you? Did I say hi to Mr. Rogers? Did he Who's say not, hi? Yes. Who's not going to say hi to Mr. Rogers? He wasn't the one who said you were mean to him, were you? No. Okay, yes. No. I mean, Mr. How could I be mean to Mr. Rogers? Thank you. He, he said hi to Mr. He didn't Rogers. live there. He that was the apartment that he would go to this, to practice and, so and to take a nap. Uh-huh. Yeah, because it was close to QED. Wouldn't that be nice to have an apartment like that? Yeah, it's like a crash pad and a practice yeah. room. But you, Mr. Rogers, you know what the heck? He was super great. Every mm-hmm. you should, I mean, he'd walk in and everybody would. Of course. I mean, it was just really great. <laughs> yeah, but I lived there for two years. I enjoyed it. The only thing was um, that we had roaches. Oh, 
That's not a great apartment. No, it wasn't a no, great apartment horrible. with the roaches, horrible. but it was okay without them. Mm-hmm. Jeez, jeez, yeah. jeez. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, Touchy we're going to be talking about... Um, not roaches. No, we're going to be talking about what it means to still have your opinion about denominational matters, mm-hmm. but to be able to put them aside and embrace some unity with people who are from other denominations. That could be scary for some people. Some people feel like, well, I'm not going to associate we with need those that. people because they're just wrong. We need that now more than ever. Anyway, we're going to talk about that at 510. Also, the upcoming Supreme Court cases, we're going to focus on two with Bruce Ankoviak mm-hmm. from uh, St. Vincent College. He is a law professor there. Very nice. Also, tonight is Nerd Night. We had uh, Ralph Crew on the program. He's the local head or co-head of Mr. Nerd Night. Mr. Nerd himself. We love Nerd Night. We do love Nerd Night. But I had it. I was off by a week, and so I can't go. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is tonight at Spirit in Lawrenceville. If you're interested, buy your tickets online because they do sell out. All right. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We're going to step away on this National Pumpkin Day. Yep. What That's is what National is. Pumpkin Seed Day? That's the day you want, right? Yeah. Do you, I think I should carve my pumpkin on Saturday. If I carve it on Saturday, is that too soon before Tuesday? No, not at all. No, it'll be okay. you know, fine. And you put a candle inside of it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it'll last. Okay. Right. Okay, we'll be back in just a few minutes. This is Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's the ride home on 101.5 Word FM. That's W-O-R-D. Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. Ask your speaker to play the word Pittsburgh. Get our mobile app, stream us from our website, or find us at oneplace.com. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. A U.S. Army reservist suspected of killing at least 18 people in Maine had been taken by police for an evaluation after military officials became concerned he was acting erratically back in mid-July. Officials say Robert Card was acting strangely while the unit was training at the U.S. Military Academy in West Point, New York. A sheriff in southeast North Carolina says five people have been found fatally shot inside a home. News outlets report that Sampson County Sheriff Jimmy Thornton said that deputies were called early this morning to the home off of Garland Highway outside of Clinton for a report of a homicide. Inside, they found five people dead of gunshot wounds. Liberal New York Democrat Jamal Bowman has pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor for setting off a false alarm fire, uh, fire alarm, I should say, at a House office building last month. This is SRN News. This is an urgent news alert from the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. The people of Israel are at war. Hamas terrorists have murdered women and children, desecrated bodies, and kidnapped loved ones. President and CEO of the Fellowship, Yael Eckstein. What's happening right now in Israel is Israel's 9-11. I'm coming to you today to say Israel is under attack and we need your help now. It can't wait. It can't wait an hour. It can't wait a day. And it certainly can't wait a week. We need emergency supplies on the ground in Israel now. Your emergency gift of $45 will help save Jewish lives and provide critical essentials desperately needed right now. Please call and help Israel. 800-964-2552. That's 800-964-2552. Bishop Paul Lanier, chairman of the U.S. Board for the Fellowship. Israel is at war. Terrorists have egregiously, violently, viciously 
violated the territory, the sanctity, the sovereignty of Israel. My assignment, yours, is to help give and to provide sustenance, food, medicine. It's important. It really matters. And I'm asking you now, with all that I can say, please, please give. With an emergency gift today of just $45 to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, you'll help provide emergency medical needs for those injured. Water, food, bomb shelter construction, and much more. Please call now. Make your emergency gift of $45 or any amount the Lord leads you to give today. 800-964-2552. 800-964-2552. That's 800-964-2552. Oil investments involve a high degree of risk and actual results may vary. Oil and natural gas keep going up as the Russia conflict escalates. Get in on the next major oil boom now and help the U.S. with your patriotic investment that can potentially pay you monthly income for up to 20 or more years. That's the sound of a producing oil well and the sound of a smart investment. If you're an SEC-accredited investor and have at least 25000 liquid now, you can take advantage of Encore Energy's projects and a huge tax savings for this year. If you invest in oil and natural gas, you're allowed to write off nearly 100% of your investment in the first year. Goldman Sachs is projecting oil to go up to $100 a barrel, and natural gas is the fuel of the future and trading at record prices. Call 800-287-6691. Encore Energy is a major your investor and experienced operator in its core area of operations. Call now and learn how to deduct 100% of your investment and create 20 or more years of potential monthly income. Call 800-287-6691. That's 800-287-6691. Partly cloudy and mild tonight. We'll reach a nighttime low of 59. It'll be warm tomorrow with temperatures approaching the record last reached in 1963. We'll see times of clouds and sun and a high of 77. Tomorrow night becoming cloudy and warm with a low of 62. Saturday, times of clouds and sun with a shower will reach a high Saturday of 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Greetings. Good afternoon to you. Uh, the sun is setting here, high top Green Tree Hill. Very nice. Lovely day. What's it? Uh, is it 70-something? It's still 73 degrees. I mean, it's crazy. Perfect. I can't wait for tomorrow. It's going to be even warmer. 76 degrees. It's going to be even warmer. I love it so much. Oh, man. Okay, how about this? Uh, this is uh, from today's New York Times. In the year after the Supreme Court ended the constitutional right to abortion, something unexpected happened. The total number of legal abortions in the United States did not fall. Instead, it appeared to increase slightly by about two-tenths of a percent, according to the first full-year count of abortions provided nationwide. The findings came despite the fact that 14 states banned all abortions and seven imposed new limits on them, even as though restrictions reduced the legal abortion rate to near zero in some states, there were large increases in places where abortions remained legal. Researchers said they were driven by the expansion of telemedicine for mail-order abortion pills, increased options and assistance for women who traveled, and a surge of publicity about ways to get abortions. Mm-hmm. That's not surprising. Doesn't surprise me either. You know, it, it, this is one of those 
issues that I, I, I've said this for a long time. It's not that it doesn't matter how you vote, because of course it matters how you vote. But in this instance, I really think it's a small, small drop in the bucket as to actually making a difference in the issue. How so? Because, because voting is only going to accomplish so much. If Pennsylvania were to be a state, if we would elect uh, representatives who would outlaw abortion in Pennsylvania, right. then go people are going to go to New York. Or, or it's just, that's, that's the way it is. So you're um, saying you just can't legislate I'm just morality. saying I don't think you can. No. But that doesn't mean that you don't try, because part of the... Um, position of the government is that the government stands up for the the weak yeah. and that's one of the reasons why or it should right right or western societies uh in large part have been so successful and have produced so much flourishing is because they have stood up for victims um and at least recognized who the victim is um so I, so anyway i think it's an important thing to do to vote but if you care about the abortion issue um, more importantly, if you care about women who find themselves unexpectedly pregnant, going and voting is – I don't even care that much. Do something. Actually get involved in your local pregnancy care center. Um, get involved with an organization that promotes health and healing for women. Um, don't get involved in an organization that just takes all your energy to point fingers at the other side right. politically because that accomplishes nothing. And while you're doing that and fighting with somebody who's on the opposite political party, there are people who are crying out for help, help who are right next to you. Mm -hmm. um, what, you know, it, if you've ever been in a circumstance that you so wish you could take back, I encourage you to get into that mental space when you think about the abortion issue. Because every woman I ever talked to, I ever, ever talked to, and I've talked to so many women who are unexpectedly pregnant, all they want to do is go back. They just want to go back. And I wish I had never had sex with that man. I wish I never would have done it. Uh, but the problem is there's no going back. There's just... You can't go back. Um, and abortion is, and the way it's sold to people is that that will actually let you. Rare, safe, and legal. Yeah, it will let you go back. But the sad thing is, is that it doesn't. And then reg regret sets in um, because death is an option that you chose and you carry it for the rest of your life. I mean, it's just, there is no easy way out. Um, and which is why we have to reach out to people around us, offer support, offer, offer financial help, offer prayers, offer everything we can for people who are in need. And I don't know, don't don't waste your time just in the political realm, because there are people, as I said, right around you who need real and honest hands-on help. I'm into that. Yeah, well, those numbers are surprising. I know, way, and because it's, it's it was all absolutely this, tragic. Right? All the exaltation. It's oh, look, we've repealed right? Roe v. Wade. Right. But people it was still the right still. thing. The, the repealing of Roe v. Wade was still the right thing. But, um, but people are going to make decisions on their own. We'll take a break. We're going to come back. Liddy Barlow is with us. Uh, tomorrow is the fifth year anniversary of the Tree of Life Massacre. She's going to talk about that next on The Ride Home. One hundred one point five WORD. Once I figured out 
you know, it was a little boy. Then I heard his heartbeat, like I just cried. You guys helped me make my mind up. You've heard that seeing is believing. That's certainly true when it comes to pregnancies. It's been shown that abortion-minded women who see their babies on an ultrasound are likely to have that baby. Today, you can provide a free ultrasound for a pregnant woman for just $28, the cost to save the life of a baby. So whether you want to save one or five or hundreds of babies, Word FM and Preborn are here to help. Call today, 833-850-BABY, or go to wordfm.com. At Eden Christian Academy, lives are under construction every day. Lives built upon the foundation of God's Word, shaped by the understanding that every student is created with a unique design and purpose, building the mind with academic strength and depth, while fashioning spiritual Christ-like character that can change the world. Fall enrollment is open now, pre-K through 12th grade. Eden Christian Academy, building His kingdom one life at a time at EdenChristianAcademy.org. What if I told you you can save a baby's life for just $28. Well, it's true. Preborn is a ministry doing just that with the help of people like you by offering free ultrasound sessions to pregnant girls and women who otherwise might choose to end their pregnancy. We know that pregnant girls and women who can see their babies on ultrasound are far more likely to choose life. Your gift today can save babies' lives. Just $28 can give a mother the chance to see the truth of the baby that is growing inside her. $140 can do this for five girls and women. Whether you want to save one baby or five or hundreds, that opportunity is just a click or phone call away. Call 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or you can do it safe and secure online by clicking on the preborn banner at wordfm.com. The United States Constitution guarantees every American fundamental rights and protection of life, liberty, and property. Salem is celebrating our founding document with a special offer, a 1953 Omen U.S. Constitution lithograph. To understand the value of these lithographs is to know the story. A master lithographer immigrant named Theodore Omen came to this country to find the American dream. Seventy years ago, in 1953, Omen printed a limited number of these exceptional Constitution lithographs. Go to Salem Events Store to read Omen's entire story. America's most important document stands as a testament to all Americans to maintain their liberties, freedoms, and inalienable rights. Buy it and display it proudly. Buy a gift for your family and friends and for all the teachers in your communities. There is a limited number, so act today. Go to SalemEventsStore.com to get your exclusive 1953 Omen U.S. Constitution lithograph while supplies last. That's SalemEventsStore.com. Shockingly, uh, the fifth anniversary of the Tree of Life Massacre is tomorrow. Wow. Liddy Barlow is with us. Liddy's been a guest on our show in the past. She's the, the executive minister of Christian Associates of Southwest PA. Liddy, welcome back. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having our me, pleasure. John. Kathy, this is fun. Yeah, Thank it's you. great yeah. to be with you. So uh, I can't believe it's been five years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I drive by it almost daily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, my husband works right across the street from there, and it seems like just yesterday it was a Saturday. I remember I was chopping vegetables uh, for a soup I was making later in the day when the news came on. And, uh, of course, life was never the same for those of us in Pittsburgh, especially those victims and their families. So, Lady, you were just at a thing this week where you were remembering. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, so Bishop Zubik and uh, Rabbi Jeffrey Myers from Tree of Life Synagogue um, came together and wanted to mark this anniversary collectively. Um, I think it was really important. Um, on Bishop Zubik's side, that the Christian community be a host, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and recognize how this was not just a tragedy that affected the Jewish community. It really struck at the heart of all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this opportunity for Christians to stand up and say that that we're going to be the ones to resist this kind of anti-Semitism and hatred in our community, you know. Just like it's the responsibility of white people to address racism, it's the responsibility of Christians to address anti-Semitism. And so I think um, that we had a a beautiful service uh, at St. Paul Cathedral on Sunday afternoon with um, uh, Christian leaders as well as Jewish leaders. Um, We had uh, folks from other faith traditions also. Um, and, And what's amazing five years later is that we can begin to talk about hope. Um, in ways that were very challenging in those first days after the tragedy. Um, Rabbi Meyer spoke for, uh, um, gave a a, a sort of a sermon uh, at the service, uh, and and hope was his theme, right? Where does our hope come from, and how do we see hope in action in the ways that our community can love and care for one another? I mean, it is shocking. We were just talking to our first guest earlier in the hour, the four o'clock hour, about the rise of anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see the exclamation point of what happened to the Tree of Life. And you think, especially when we were younger, it, it wasn't, at least on my radar, you think it wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. But now there's been a mad rush forward where there's all this hatred towards Jews. Yeah. So uh, at the end of this past month, I had the opportunity to attend the Eradicate Hate Conference, um, a, an international conference that has happened here in Pittsburgh the last couple of years. Um, it's a direct response. Response to the shooting at Tree of Life. Mm. And, um, you know, one of the, the things that I learned in attending that conference is how interrelated all the forms of hate are. You know, you mm. can't separate anti-Semitism from racism or from uh, radical misogyny or, or from, um, you know, the, the kind of hatred that we see from groups like ISIS. All these groups are interconnected. The people who are in, deeply involved in those forms of hatred, who are actually sort of members of hate groups, they're talking to people who are in other hate groups, even if they don't share a common theme. Like the the forces of evil are 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 connected and in line, and we have to get in line too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think that some of those. Ways that we once thought that that we didn't have to say out loud, right? Like, you know, when I was growing up, when you were growing up, you didn't have to say, like, we shouldn't hurt and kill our neighbors. Like, that was not something we had to say. But today, it's our responsibility to articulate Mm -hmm. that very, very clearly Um, and to just to to say out loud what we stand for. Because if we are not making that statement, then then other people are going to be making it. Um, you know, in ways that, that are really just hurtful for I everybody. That. Yeah, and the, one of the positive things about it, you just, to think about Bishop Zubik, the head mm-hmm. of the Catholic Diocese, and Rabbi Meyer, I mean, it was a, a rare thing for Jews and Christians mm-hmm. to come together 20, 30 years ago. Now this is a common thing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it is amazing. And I, I think, you know, when I think back to my own memories of that day, I sat at my dining room table, I saw this news sort of flash across the screen on, on through social media, um, and I was able to take out my phone and and not just f- 
follow the news in an impersonal kind of way. Um, but to send text messages to people that mm. I loved and cared about, you know, the, the, the Jewish leaders in town, I already had their numbers, right? I knew where they would be. I knew which of my friends would be in worship at that moment um, and, and who would be um, kind of coming into action in, in response um, from the institutional Jewish world. We had those relationships. And that underlines for me how essential it is that we look out across our community now in a time when, you know, we're not at a, at a moment of, of crisis and we say, who do I know? And who don't I know yet? Like, mm -hmm. who are the people whose numbers I can get in my phone right now hmm. so that if, heaven forbid, there is a crisis or a tragedy, we're not calling strangers and asking, are you mm -hmm. okay? We're reaching out out of genuine love and concern to people that we know and right. care about. Now, it's interesting, Libby, because of your position and your profession, you are hyper-connected mm -hmm. more so than the average person. But what would that look like just for, you know, our listeners who go, I don't know the other people that I should know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because it, sometimes I feel like this work, um, doing this work at the institutional level, is in some ways just catching up to where people actually already are in their yeah. neighborhoods, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to form these kind of official institutional connections between, <laughs> you know, a church and a synagogue. But you already know people of other faith traditions, of other races and ethnicities, right of other backgrounds. Or right you know, in your family. All these folks. Yeah, yes, exactly. In our very families often, and certainly in our neighborhoods, in our kids' schools, at your dentist's office, at the grocery store. You know, you're surrounded by the religious diversity of this community. Um, start reaching out. And I'm encouraged, too, that a lot of our local congregations are um, are engaged in this work. It's, it's not just regional bodies like Christian Associates. It's also... Churches in each neighborhood saying, oh, like, you know, we're a church around the corner. There's a synagogue. Maybe we can get to know each other. Maybe we can have dinner together. Maybe we can plan a book study. Um, and there's so many examples of, of that kind of local work happening across the region. That's really good. Reverend Liddy Barlow's with us, Executive Minister of Christian Associates of Southwestern PA. Hey, I want to change the, um, the trajectory of our conversation for a minute because you mentioned in an email to John and I that you were at a um, – conference recently that was focusing on small churches mm -hmm. and you know all around pittsburgh pittsburgh this city because of its topography and because of its ethnic makeup is dotted with little churches mm -hmm. absolutely so, yeah so talk about that yeah so so i had the opportunity to spend a couple of days out at the laurelville um retreat center mm -hmm. in in westmoreland county which is just like a beautiful so, place to be especially in the fall. this time of I mean, year oh, oh my gosh just everywhere you look so lovely um and to gather with about a hundred leaders of local churches clergy and lay people um presbyterian methodist lutheran a variety of different uh, traditions represented um all of them we kirks this is called the we kirk conference so scottish for small church um started by the presbyterians they love their scottish lingo uh -huh. um and, uh, and and we spent three days together talking about the gifts that little congregations can bring. Um, you know, yeah. a small church is not a failed big church. Mm -hmm. a, a small mm -hmm. church can be a vital, active body of Christ. And small churches can make real differences in their neighborhoods um, and transformation in the lives of people. So it was a, a, a really fun opportunity to uh, to get to know some some small church pastors um, here, some some of them working in urban context, some in, in rural settings throughout Western Pennsylvania, West Virginia and, and so forth. Um, people are doing amazing ministry okay. in little places. Yeah, I love that you said a little church is not a failed big church. Okay. And I, one of the things that I think I, I even 
I think I probably operated under this misunderstanding when I was growing up is that I felt like every church should be growing all the time. Mm -hmm. And if your church isn't growing, then there's something wrong with your church. And uh, then when I became an adult, of course, I saw that everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, All sorts of people think that. I could not disagree with that more now because I realized that different churches are just called to do their thing for different times. How do you see that? Yeah. I mean, so I actually want to, I want to disagree with you in this way because I actually think that that a, a church should be growing all the time, but I don't think it's necessarily growing in attendance numbers. There we go. Right. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, I think, uh, yes, I, I think every, every church should be growing in the depth of its spirituality yes. and its connection to God in the service to its neighbors. Like we should absolutely be multiplying in that way. But when we boil everything down to the attendance number, you know, when, when I pastored a small church, we had a chart in the um, just inside the door that that where we'd write in the attendance total for every Sunday. Sure. And I called it the scorecard. And so after worship every week, I would go look at the scorecard. Like, how are we doing this year compared to last year? What were the trends? You know. Worship is not about keeping that kind of a score. Being in ministry is not about how many people you have around the table. It, it's asking those questions. Are we being faithful in this place? Mm-hmm. Um, and are we growing in the ways that really matter? Outstanding. Yeah. That's really good. And there are things that small churches are better at. Mm-hmm. Small churches are amazing crucibles for community. Um, you know, and, and I think sometimes people um, think about the kinds of programmatic offerings that a big church can uh, can provide, and which think, are so wonderful, oh, absolutely, which right. are great, right? And and I think you know a lot of us grew up in those large church contexts. I did. I, I think about you know going to my Sunday school, and we had you know twenty five third yep. graders Same right in, in my Sunday school class. But but tell you what, if you've only got a couple of third graders in your little church then everybody knows those third graders' names. And your third graders have this whole group of surrogate grandparents and aunts and uncles who care about their lives. Kids can take leadership more easily in small churches. Um, kids can be part of, you know, doing a Bible reading during the service or, you know, lighting the candles. And and, um, and, and sometimes those sorts of opportunities for really incorporating children and youth into the work of the church um, can be much harder in in large settings where the where the kids might get shuffled to their whole huge wing of the building that has its own gymnasium and swimming right. pool, right? Um, but but in a little church, you um, you you form those intergenerational connections that our society needs so much and that very few other institutions allow people to form. I'm into that. Liddy Barlow is with us. She's the executive director of Christian Associates of Southwestern Pennsylvania. Liddy, just a few minutes left, but let's talk about All Saints Day. You told us uh, it's your it's favorite, favorite holiday. I yeah, love tell it. us about this. I love All Saints Day. So All Saints Day is coming up on November 1st. Um, and I think for which a lot of... Wednesday. Yeah, which is coming up real soon. So I think a lot of Protestants... Um, Think of the, look at the saints and think that is a Catholic thing and that is not for us, right? We don't have those anymore. Um, and I actually think nothing could be farther from the truth because ultimately when we talk about saints, we are talking about our heroes, our legends. The saints are our Christian hall of fame. And we should be looking towards these stories of men and women from Christian history who can begin to be our role models for the kinds of lives of faith that we want to live. And some of these are people that you might, you know, see a statue of at your local Catholic church. And others might be people from your own story or from the story of your local congregation. The the, the woman who taught you Sunday school when you were little mm-hmm. or your grandma and grandpa. Like yep. when we look at the saints, we look at 
all of the saints, um, all of the people who have who have played that role for they us. They walk among us, do they not? They do, and and I think they inspire us. And and I think the other thing I love about the saints is their vast diversity. Right? Mm-hmm. They they show us that there is not a single model of holiness. Right? We don't all have to be like Mother Teresa. Some of us can be like Julian of Norwich, right? Like we can be um there there's so many different models for what it what it is to be holy and, and that, that we see looking across our own churches too. Outstanding. Right? All Saints Day coming up next Wednesday, November the first. That's funny you said that we don't uh, there there are different varieties of, of uh holiness or different maybe different uh outworkings. Yeah, exactly. I think the, the, the Catholics holiness. would use the word charism, right? Yeah. Different gifts. Right. Um you know, right. different different styles and um you know whether you you are a person who wants to be sort of in hands-on service or in individual contemplation, whether whether you are a, a big, bold person or a sort of quiet person working behind the scenes, there's a saint for you, yeah, right? That's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Letting just a few seconds left, uh, talk to us about Christian Associates. Obviously, you do uh, super connected work. You do good work across the spectrum. People should know about this. Yeah, so Christian Associates is the region's Christian unity organization. Uh, we work with uh, Protestant, Catholic, and Orthodox Christians um, and all of our neighbors of other Christian traditions of interfaith and, and secular um, community groups um, to build bridges. Uh, we, we simply bring people together, build trusting relationship, and then find ways to serve the common good. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Well, we really appreciate you coming in. You do. Yeah. yeah. It's Super really fun, fun to is, visit with you. It's always great. Yeah. 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 All right. Christian Associates of Southwestern Pennsylvania, Liddy Barlow, easily found online. Yeah. Absolutely. CASP.org, CASP.org is our website. Very nice. And don't forget to celebrate All Saints Day on Wednesday. Patrick was way behind on his IRS taxes. I was in way over my head. The total amount ended up being somewhere oh, just over $30,000. $30,000. Then the IRS came to collect. Started getting letter after letter. A lien had been filed against me. They were going to basically like hang me completely out to dry. He had to do something. That's when I reached out to Optima Tax Relief. Patrick's life quickly got a lot easier. It was very easy. Pretty much hands off, you know. They picked up the ball and ran with it. And how'd it go? I couldn't believe it. I had to ask like two or three times. I saved an incredible amount of money. How does Patrick feel about Optima? Couldn't be happier. They definitely helped me. Optima Tax Relief, the best place to call. They're the best in the business. Do what Patrick did and call Optima Tax Relief for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Relief. Testimonial from an actual client. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Hun, we need to stop putting off getting life insurance. I know. It's just been so busy, and I'm sure the cost is out of our budget. Well, Jen told me that they got a $500,000 term life insurance policy from Ethos for less than $23 a month. All online with no complicated forms and no medical exam. All they had to do was answer a few health questions. Wait, no medical exam and all online? I know, right? It's not easy to think about, but if something happened to you, James and I would be... Okay, I get it. Let's get a quote from Ethos right now. Wow, you were right. There's no medical exam. And Ethos makes the whole online process fast and easy. And look at these rates and coverage options. It's great protection and totally fits our budget. Ethos, they've removed all the barriers from getting coverage. Go to checkethos.com to get your free online quote. That's checkethos.com. 
Quote based on a healthy, non-smoking 30-year-old male with a 20-year term policy. Rates may vary. Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia, from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course, we have great eats inside too, with lots of pumpkin creations pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4 H hog roast with all the fixins. Plan to spend a memory making day on the farm at the Spring House in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com. It's easy to listen. We're everywhere. Hear us on OnePlace.com, WordFM.com, on your phone, your smart speaker, and on your radio. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Partly cloudy and mild tonight. We'll reach a nighttime low of 59. It'll be warm tomorrow with temperatures approaching the record last reached in 1963. We'll see times of clouds and sun at a high of 77. Tomorrow night, becoming cloudy and warm with a low of 62. Saturday, times of clouds and sun with a shower will reach a high Saturday of 68. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Does this make sense? Yeah, it does what makes sense. Full-size candy bars. Oh, yeah. And I mean on Halloween. Mm, oh, yeah. It makes perfect sense. <sighs> I'm... No, I'm perfect. You want to be okay, like a well, hero of the neighborhood. You, you didn't even have to think about it. No. Come on. Full-size candy bars. Yes. The fun size has now shrunk to the size of a peanut. I know, because it's like... What do they call it now? It's not fun size. It's what? like... What? Minuscule enjoyment. Exactly. Sadness bar. Yeah, it's really sad. So... It's really sad. Is, as much more expensive as it is... Like Liddy just said, you're seeing your neighbors for the first time. Like a lot of people are just kind of hidden away. So give the kids, hey, that house yeah, is giving okay, away but, the full okay, size bar. Okay, but you're saying that as the house that doesn't have any kids that come by. I've tried. I certainly, I've tried. Uh huh. They are welcome. Yeah, but that means you have to buy six of them <laughs> as opposed to sixty. I could buy little jugs of. Uh, oh. Uh, <laughs> your hug. Yeah. Right. But so you, you think it makes sense? Yeah, well, yeah of course it I'm makes sense. I'm trying to figure now, it out. I know it can crush your budget. Yeah. That's the problem. Yes, right? it is the problem. Because it's a chunk of money. It is a chunk of money. But I think it makes sense. You don't think it makes sense? I, You know what? I think it makes sense. I just, I have to take the leap. Yeah. Okay. Be that person. All right, I'll try be to that be house. that person. Okay. Does this make sense? I still don't think it's worth you talking about it because you don't have any kids <laughs> that come by. Men's cologne. A controversial question. Yes, it is. Now, do you like a little spritz of something if you're a guy and you go, hey, you know what? I'm stepping out and I feel pretty good about myself. Like Sebastian Maniscalco. I smell. It's like a cape. Yeah, it is. Invincibility. Uh, I like a little spritz. Okay. But. I, yeah. Since I know that it is controversial for you. Yeah. I shy away from yeah, it. Yeah, do you? Because you're trying to be. 
You're so kind. I'm in the room here with you. We are. We are in a small room. Um, I'm going to say it does make sense. What? I am going to say it. I'm going to say it does make sense. All these years. But here's... (laughs) Tomorrow, you're going to be like... Yeah. I, I think it makes sense. I do think it makes sense, but in limited application. Well, everything. Because that's the problem, is the density of the treatment. <laughs> you know what I mean? The density. Now, your husband? Yes, but uh, not on a daily basis. Once in a if while. If we go out, yes. Well, he puts it on. Yep. Oh, and he's not you're not he's not being mocked? No. He's not being derided? Uh-uh. You find no, some pleasure because, there. Exactly, because we're going out. Okay. It's a thing. But not on a regular and basis. And not like heavy no, duty, not. like it's not a hose situation. <laughs> yeah. Not some brute. Right. Or some old spice. Yeah. And I do I think like I do think you have to spend a little bit of money. To step it up a little you can't, bit. You can't do the drugstore thing. Well, I mean, I if it's a gift you... from the kids. Oh, well, that's right? different, I guess. 101.5 WORD. Turning Point with David Jeremiah. You should never really have to be tormented by the fear of death. There are only two ways you can ever face the future, no matter what it is. You can face the future by faith, or you can face the future in fear. And if you know the Word of God, you will not have to be afraid. Dr. David Jeremiah continues his series, The Great Disappearance, next time on Turning Point. This evening at 7.30 on 101.5 WORD. This is an urgent news alert from the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. The people of Israel are at war. Hamas terrorists have murdered women and children, desecrated bodies, and kidnapped loved ones. President and CEO of the fellowship, Yael Eckstein. What's happening right now in Israel is Israel's 9-11. I'm coming to you today to say Israel is under attack and we need your help now. It can't wait. It can't wait an hour, it can't wait a day, and it certainly can't wait a week. We need emergency supplies on the ground in Israel now. Your emergency gift of $45 will help save Jewish lives and provide critical essentials desperately needed right now. Please call and help Israel. 800-964-2552. That's 800-964-2552. Bishop Paul Lanier, Chairman of the U.S. Board for the Fellowship. Israel is at war. Terrorists have egregiously, violently, viciously violated the territory, the sanctity, the sovereignty of Israel. My assignment, yours, is to help give and to provide sustenance, food, medicine. It's important. It really matters. And I'm asking you now, with all that I can say, please, please give. With an emergency gift today of just $45 to the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, you'll help provide emergency medical needs for those injured. Water, food, bomb shelter construction, and much more. Please call now. Make your emergency gift of $45 or any amount the Lord leads you to give today. 800-964-2552. 800-964-2552. That's 800-964-2552. 
Geneva College is making a commitment to affordability for students in Pennsylvania with the Geneva Tuition Promise. The Geneva Tuition Promise ensures that all eligible Pennsylvania traditional undergraduate students from families earning less than $70,000 annually will pay no tuition at Geneva College starting with the incoming class in the fall of 2024. Discover how an academically excellent Geneva College education is within your reach. Visit geneva.edu slash promise for more details and to determine eligibility. Say what you will about the Supreme Court, and there's a lot to be said about it. It's endlessly fascinating, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yes, it is. When a case finally reaches that pinnacle, you think there's a lot of history, a lot going on. Bruce Ankoviak is with us. He's a regular guest on our show. Bruce is a law professor at St. Vincent College. Hey, Bruce, how are things? Oh, oh there we go. Now we got him. Hey, Bruce, how you doing? I'm here. Thank you. Yeah, everything's fine. (laughs) Great. Glad to have you, Bruce. Um, Like John said, it is fascinating to think about the decisions that are coming before the Supreme Court. Um, We often talk about the decisions that are already made. um, But today we're going to consider some of the cases that the Supreme Court's going to be considering in this term. Um, So I want to start with this one. So the first case uh, I want to ask you about is um, redistricting in South Carolina. Uh, There's a congressional district. Um, there's some movement and some ethnic overtones to this. Can you talk about the case? Yes, this is something that, you know, oftentimes the Supreme Court decides something and they create many more cases for themselves because of it. Uh, Not that long ago, the Supreme Court decided that if a state legislature that has the duty of drawing congressional districts decides to do so on the basis of politics, to load up a district so that the Democrats or the Republicans will have almost a certainty of getting the seat, that there's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't violate the Equal Protection Clause principles of the Constitution, because after all, whether a person is a Democrat or Republican is a matter of their personal choice. Well, now in South Carolina, the legislature decided to redistrict a district And in doing so, they moved 62% of the African-American citizens from one district to another. And the claim has been brought that, well, this isn't really being done for politics. This is really being done on the basis of race, which would clearly be outside the bounds of the Constitution. The, The response to this is, no, it's not being done on the basis of race. We simply wanted to create a Republican-friendly district. And now the lower courts have ruled uh, it's racial discrimination. And now the Supreme Court is going to have to decide whether or not the stated motive of South Carolina, which is to be political, um, cancels out the obvious racial impact this redistricting has. I hate redistricting. I really do. Not that my opinion matters in this at all, uh, but I, I really dislike it. I, but how how is motive going to be assessed here? Uh, that's that's an interesting thing. Uh, the you know certainly people will point to the public statements that were made by the legislators at the time they did the redistricting. But of course, what is said behind closed doors, what is discussed at that point is a wholly different matter. Mm -hmm. Um, 
redistricting is constantly a headache and it and it creates issues all the way along the line. Um, there are people who will tell you that several years ago when there were three Pennsylvania Supreme Court spots open on the ballot, that the major motivation for people supporting one party or another was so that a majority of the court would be one party or the other when the legislature had a redistricting plan and the court would have to approve it. Mm-hmm. So it affected not just the, the the makeup of the legislature, it was devastatingly effective on the makeup of the Supreme Court. But that's the way the Constitution says that congressional districts are supposed to be drawn. And so now the only question is, you know, was this motivated by truly by just politics, which would theoretically be okay, um, or is is it really motivated by race, which is clearly out of bounds? Yeah. So then Bruce, I have no idea how they're going to sort that out. Who are the people then who are bringing this case behind the case? The 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 NAACP is is strongly behind the case, bringing it, uh, making the the strong allegation that this the issue of political redistricting is a subterfuge. Uh, that this was simply a, a way to cover up the fact that this is trying to. Uh, in fact, limit the vote of black citizens, dilute the vote of black citizens in a way that that will limit representation by blacks in the U.S. Congress, the congressional delegation from South Carolina. Interesting. And the, the this is they certainly have standing. And the, the case is the case is going to be a very difficult one for the court to unravel. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, right? that sounds really difficult. Bruce, this is more of an opinion. It is an opinion question. Um, do you feel like the redistricting has contributed to the polarization we see in Washington? Oh, there's no question. Uh, I mean, redistricting has always been done with an eye to political advantage. Uh, it has always been done by the, by the the party that happens to be in power, in order to structure a district so that yes, each district has roughly the same amount of voters. That's a that's a constitutional mandate, but you know how those are made up uh, is is up to the legislatures. This is why if you looked at a map of of the of the districts you would sometimes see absolutely crazy configurations of a district that runs through two or three counties and and why in the world right. is it like this well it's like this because there was an effort being made to make that a safe seat for one party or another mm-hmm. We're talking with Bruce Ankowiak. He is a law professor at St. Vincent College. Bruce, uh, let's shift gears and talk about another case, which is equally interesting. This case involves former President Donald Trump and Twitter. Please fill us in. Yes, this is going to be a real dandy to listen to. Um, <laughs> it, this one really is. This is, this is going to have far-reaching implications. Uh, shortly after the January 6th uh, demonstration in Washington, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and a number of other of the major Internet outlets removed former President Trump's uh, f- Facebook account and uh, and other people as well. 
And in response to this, the state of Florida and the state of Texas passed laws that essentially do two things. In, in one sense, they could prohibit an Internet source like this from taking away someone's account simply because they disagree with the content of, of, their, of their message. And if, as a fallback position, if you do remove an account, you have to state publicly why you are doing so. Now, no one would object if someone was using their Internet account to publish the, um, the formula to make explosives or plans to, uh, to, to, to rob a, a bank or to, or to conduct a shooting at a school. But we're talking here about simply the censorship of political ideas that the owners of these companies would not like. And these laws are now being challenged by those companies as an infringement of their right of free speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is going to cause um, a, a major issue because the argument that is being put forth is obviously these companies, which essentially own the vast majority of the forums that exist today for free speech, if they are able to censor, they will certainly censor out those views they don't like most of those companies have similar views, which will mean that a, a certain percentage of legitimate views that people have, whether one agrees with them or not, will not be given voice. And that is, go- that is going to be a, a, a very difficult issue for the Supreme Court to unravel. Yeah, and so, so in that respect, it's going to be a question of access. If they're only if, – if, if- you know, four major companies are controlling all of the access to, you know, a huge platform like that, if that platform then has, you know, unbelievable power. Well, there's no question. And you see, there's there's a doctrine in constitutional law, and I don't know that it's going to be brought up in this case, but it's it's one that it's called the public function doctrine. In the old days, if a coal company uh, owned the town, mm-hmm. and if you worked for the coal company, you had to live there, shop there, and everything else, right. and they owned the streets. The Supreme Court held that if you're performing essentially a public function, even though you're a private party, you may be required to abide by the Constitution and not discriminate against views, not disallow people from protesting against the views that the company holds. Uh, And I'm fascinated as to whether or not someone might someday suggest that insofar as the forum for public opinion, it's no longer newspapers. It's no longer, you know, uh, public parks where people gather to hear speeches or public auditoriums. It is the Internet. This is where people go to express public views. And if that's the case, are these not these big companies like the old company towns that that own that mm-hmm. forum. Yeah. And if they can exclude views that they don't like, there is very little chance that those views will ever get out into the public eye and be assessed by the public as to whether they have merit or not. Interesting. So then, Bruce, is this case one of the first cases that sees a chink in the armor of the Internet companies and perhaps uh, moving forward, other cases will follow suit? 
Oh, I think I think that's definite. Uh, I think this case is going to um, give a lot of a lot of guidance to other suits that may come, um, because because again, you're not talking about a company's ability to restrict what is not protected speech, libel, slander, things of that mm-hmm. nature. You're purely talking about I don't like your political point of view, therefore. You cannot speak on my worldwide platform. Uh, that's that's an ominous thing. It really is. Wow. Well, we really appreciate that uh, perspective, Bruce, and the skill you bring to it. Um, and you really fill in all the gaps that, you know, all the questions John and I mm-hmm. have. And thanks so, so thanks for coming in to help us. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Pleasure is ours, yeah. truly. That's Bruce Ankoviak. Um, professor of Law at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, PA. Uh, we talk to Bruce on a monthly basis, and so we always, when we're done, we always look forward to the next one. Mm-hmm. Our real goal at RPTS is to train people for ministry. Whether training to be a pastor or just wanting to grow in your walk with God, you'll find what you're looking for at RPTS. We want to see them really grounded in their theological growth. We want it to be heart-directed as well. We want to see students prepared to serve and to love the people of God and develop ministries that we think have a great partnership with the local church. Learn more about the MTS degree program and flexible online options at rpts.edu. Fall is here, school is back, the days of sitting poolside are over. If you spend a lot of time in the sun, though, you might be seeing its effect on your skin. A few more freckles, some premature wrinkles, blotches on your hands, face, and neck. At Chilled to Perfection in Oakmont, an IPL photo facial can help reverse the damage of sun and time, making your skin appear healthy and radiant. New customers get the Fall Back in Time IPL special for just $4.99. Your results are their business at chilledtoperfectionpgh.com. Urgent Camp Lejeune settlement message. On September 6th, the government announced it will soon begin providing fast, guaranteed settlements to Camp Lejeune Marines, families, and civilians. Awards will range between $100,000 and $550,000 with an option for higher amounts. If you or a loved one spent time at Camp Lejeune and suffered cancers of the bladder, liver, or kidneys, leukemia, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Parkinson's, or kidney kidney issues, you may qualify for compensation and could be paid within 60 days after accepting your settlement with your VA benefits fully protected. You may be entitled to a significant financial award for your Camp Lejeune claim, but you must act now. Call the James Harris Law Camp Lejeune helpline now to get the compensation you deserve. We're already fighting for thousands harmed by the water at Camp Lejeune. Call now or you may forever lose your right to be awarded a settlement between $100,000 and $550,000. For your free evaluation, call 800 299 That's 800-299-7878. 800-299-7878. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, switching to MediShare can save you even more than usual on top of what you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, especially given how inflation is affecting us. And MediShare is the affordable, reliable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves about $500 a month. You might save even more. And MediShare is a Christian community that's been sharing each other's health care costs for 30 years now, and they're making it easier than ever. Apply by October 31st, and you can save an additional $150 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, but just tell them the promo code SHARE to get your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have. 
and start saving. Here it is. It's 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. It's not going to be long before things are frosty. Mm. And uh, I've never had the opportunity, because I'm married to a teacher, to take a vacation during winter months. You know, my husband's off during the summer, so every vacation we've ever had has to happen in the summer. I've done it. This is highly recommended. I would love to do this. Mm -hmm. You know how you want to do the thing you've never had a chance to do? So I, of course, would love to do that. So it's six degrees on January the 8th, and you go, no worries. I'm going away. (sighs) All right. Well, Airbnb, the website um, and the company, uh, put out the most popular winter travel destinations of this year. Mm -hmm. So this is where everyone is going. Over the next few months. Everyone. Okay? Everyone but us. <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Especially looking at these, like, yeah. I don't oh, think. Yeah. No, okay. no, it's are not you... everyone. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, I have the top 10. Okay. I'm going to start with number 10. Mm. Uh, Rokla, Poland. What? Poland in the winter? It seems like that is a strange choice for winter. My sister just got back from Poland. Yeah, right. Love to go. I mean, it looks, I, first of all, I'm of Polish descent, never been, uh-huh. would love to go, would absolutely love to go. Uh, anyway, that's number 10. Number nine, D.C. Really? In the middle of winter? <laughs> I mean, it's just so cold and slushy. Why Why do I want to go there? In the, you're not why walking around. Why is someone going to D.C.? Over, it's too cold to walk, and D.C. is a walking city. Spring is the time to go yeah, to D.C. Course. right. Yeah. Does this make any sense? Come on, Airbnb. Number eight, Frankfurt, Germany. Love to. Okay. Sure. But love- again, cold. Okay. And let me tell you this. Yeah. So if you're going to Frankfurt, if you're yeah. flying into Frankfurt, that's a fine idea. Mm-hmm. But Frankfurt isn't the place you want to stay. Mm-mm. So I don't understand why you would want to get an Airbnb in Frankfurt. So these are not necessarily warm weather. Well, no. these are top winter travel destinations really? for the year. Maybe it's cheaper in the winter. Maybe it is. Right. Number seven, Costa Tegui, Spain. I don't know what that is, but yeah, it, it sounds like it's on the coast and it's in Spain. But it wouldn't necessarily be. I don't think Spain is a warm weather destination. Spain is pretty much on our on our same latitude. latitude. Yeah, 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 latitude. No, it's just, okay. okay, the sixth is a city I can't pronounce in Thailand. Now mm. we're talking. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay, Indonesia, now we're sure. talking warm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I would love to go to Thailand. Me too. Love to go to Vietnam. You, have you never been to Thailand? No, no. No, I never have either. Philippines, yes. Wouldn't that be fun? Any place like that. That would be super fun. The food? Now, here's the thing. My uh, So you've been to the Philippines, which is equatorial. Mm-hmm. I've been to Indonesia, which is equatorial. My daughter was in Singapore mm. uh, a few months ago. And she, I mean, it is, you can't really... You don't know how hot it is until you go to one of these places. Like it's, <laughs> it's hot. It's really, really, really hot. But it's so incredibly it's, beautiful. It is, but it's super hot. Mm. Anyway, uh, she was there for a week, and by the end, she was literally just done with it. Completely done. Really? She absolutely couldn't. Yeah. The last day I was in Indonesia it was 102, mm-hmm. and it was, and it's not a dry heat. <laughs> no, no, it's a hot heat. <laughs> it's a really hot heat. Number five is Tokyo. Love to go. Okay. Uh, Number four, Playa Blanca, Spain, Hmm. which sounds like a resort type of place. Sounds lovely. So Spain has two weigh-ins there. Okay. Number three, another city that I don't know how to pronounce, Muang Pattaya, Thailand. 
So Thailand has two re- registrations as well. Number two, Buenos Aires, Argentina, which I would yeah, yeah. love uh-huh. to go to. Sure. Would love to go to. Now, you've been to South America? Yes. Bolivia? I've been to Bolivia. Okay. I've never been to South America. Incredibly beautiful. I mean, well, the th- thing about going into South America, at least you know my experience, you look out the plane window, headed into and leaving, you're following along the trail of the Amazon River. And below you is this <gasps> carpet of green, and there's this wide <gasps> river that just winds and twists and moves, and you go. And are you thinking, oh, my gosh, that's the actual that's the Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, look at it. It's, it's verdant and beautiful, even though they talk about deforestation. There it is. It's lovely. Bolivia was lovely. Oh, that sounds really nice. Argentina. Mm-hmm. That's a long way. That's a long that way. That would be a long, long trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Number one top winter travel destination for 2023, according to Airbnb? Erie. <laughs> Hong Kong. Oh, oh, I'd love to. Yeah, sure. sure. Okay, but, but uh, again, see, that doesn't seem... No. See, I was thinking you were going to say St. Thomas. That's what I thought. Right? You know, give me somewhere... Right, or we're going to like... The uh, uh, you know the Portugal beaches. Yes, exactly. Or, or no, just you know or somewhere L- or in the Caribbean, California. Or we're going to go to Saint Lucia. That's what I want to do. Or I mean, it's February. Or it's, like, it's Hawaii. Yeah. What Hong Kong? Mm-hmm. I have no desire to go to Hong Kong. Oh, I would love. I mean, to I'd go. go anywhere. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm happy yeah, to go anywhere. Go. But no, if I, I have to list the places I want to go, Hong Kong doesn't yeah, even yeah. rank in the top thirty. No, especially in January, February, March. Take me to the beach. Somewhere, no. I don't understand. Well, let me go to the Caribbean. Please. Okay. I would like to go to the Caribbean. Yes, yes. Hey, thanks for being with us for this journey, the Thursday edition of The Ride Home. The podcast is up and running as uh, soon as we leave the air. But it's always a pleasure to have you with us. God is good. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.